Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. Welcome to episode 13. <coughs> Oh, man. Episode <coughs> 13 <coughs> of I'm Not Targeting, <coughs> You're Targeting, with your host, <coughs> Jason Tiffin, and your co-host, Tom <coughs> Sims. Oh, excuse me, Tom. I that, that right there, cough, is 13 years of cigar smoke. <laughs> Very nice. I was wondering what was happening to you over there. <laughs> Yeah, you were waiting on me to, to say an expletive and then say, well, we got to start over. Nope, nope, nope. We, uh, as everyone knows, we went, we went to trichodicoteriophobia. What was it? That's what Tennessee has right now. That is what Tennessee has right now with Alabama because we have done hung 13 on that ace. On Ooh. that ace. Oh. <laughs> but... <laughs> And, I, you know, I have a uh, – we'll get to the word of the day, but I have some commentary first. Uh, I have prided myself on – you know, when you graduate college and, man, you get that first job, you got a little bit of walking around money, but you're still drinking Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, and, and you're, you know, you're trying to uh, not pay for parking when you go to the game. You're, you're loading up on uh, dollar whoppers uh, before the game because you don't really want to pay the, the 10 bucks for the Coke and the, uh, the hot dog. And um, you're trying to get free tickets, and if you can't get free tickets, man, you'll you'll take a single in the upper deck, no problem. Twenty five, thirty bucks, you're good. You know, at our age, we got a little you know money in our pocket. I mean, we don't we can't uh, buy a private island, but we can definitely afford to supersize our meal at McDonald's. So, Tom and I went to the game this weekend, and we got a. It's funny, the the more money you have, sometimes the better the tickets are, and the cheaper they are. We got some free tickets, complimentary of. Can I say who gave them to us? Sure. Complimentary compliments of Vulcan materials. Have a nice Vulcan day. 
So we're in section C. Now, I'm not going to tell you what row we're on because I don't want these people unjustly called out, even though I think it's justly. So we're playing Tennessee, and I know they've not had any luck against us as of late, but this is a rivalry game. Coach Bryant held this game in as much regard, if not more regard, than the Iron Bowl. And all the coaches, Franchoni, it was uh, important to. Coach Stallings, it was important to. Ray Perkins, even Bill Curry managed to beat Tennessee where he never could beat Auburn. And Saban has just exceeded expectations. I mean, 13-0 is unreal. And as everyone knows, well, let me get to that in a second. So first off, we're at the game. And the new lights are kicking. It's a night game. The crowd is a ruckus crowd. And the student section filled in nicely. I was very impressed that they that they made it. The upper deck is normally has some gaps in it. Man, it was it was capacity. So uh we're all standing and you know, kickoff. Well, they got the ball first, and um so I believe. And um so we, you know, everybody's standing. So first play happens and we stop them, clap, 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 clap. Second play happens, we stop them again, clap, 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 clap. At this point, about three, we were we were seat 25, 26, and I think there's around 30 in a row, so we were close to the edge. A couple of a couple of seats down from me, from us, and then a couple of rows down from us as well. I don't know what the person said behind them, but the I know the gentleman turned around and he's like, "Look, man," he said, "I, you know, I, I'll sit down when they sit down. I mean, I'm I'm not going to sit down because then I'm looking at the back of their heads." So here, at the third play of the game. We already had a fan saying, down in front, down in front. I mean, this is not <laughs> Middle Tennessee State. I mean, come on, dude. But that, but it, So that, that shows you kind of uh, where we were at. You know, the blue hairs were, were in full effect. <laughs> so let's fast forward to uh, under a minute left in the game. I know it was under a minute. And the cigar wrappers were coming off, and well, the game was in hand. So – I lit up my cigar, and I heard a lady behind me say, we're still trying to watch the game. I knew it was for me, but I'm like, you know, I'm going to ignore it. I'm not going to say anything. And she doubled down. Uh, Sir, we're still trying to watch the game, and she might have even patted me on the shoulder. And I said, okay. I said, well, you know, she said, and then before I could respond, she said, I, I know it's tradition, but I don't really care. We're trying to watch this game. And I said, Okay, I said, so I guess I shouldn't ask you to get the picture when the clock hits zero of me with a cigar <laughs> with a field in the background. And she said, uh, no. And um, I said, you know, lady, I said, you have sit back here behind me and cackled the entire game. And we've not said anything to you. And at that point, you know, her husband, I guess, was a, uh, is probably either going to whip me or leave. And he chose to leave, and I'm glad he did. But then she treated me like a poor. She's like, I bet you're not even invested in this university. Like like I'm just some, <laughs> you know, random that bought some tickets or got the tickets free from Vulcan Materials. I was. But, I mean, I, you know what? I have prided myself, and, man, I, I, I'm going to sit lower bolt. Maybe I belong in the upper deck. I, I don't know. I just I, It's a sad situation. And I'm going to tell you this right here. We took less grief last year smoking and kneeling uh, than I did in Bryant-Denny this year. And I respect that game, even though Fulmer took a lot of the, of the respect and added a lot of vitriol and hatred in it. I, I will tell you this. If I'm, at, if I'm at the game where they finally break the streak, and let's just say it's in Bryant-Denny, if I see a Tennessee fan lighting up and I see a Bama fan giving them grief, I'm going to take it for the Tennessee fan. I respect the tradition of this game. And, I mean, it's one game. You know everybody's going to torque up. 
And you know that it's uh, – most people wait to after the game. I waited as long as I could because I was tired. I was ready to go. And so you, she knows this coming in. So if you got a problem, leave. Leave a little early. You know, get down in the aisle. So anyway, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> it was a very lovely soapbox, though. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> I, yeah, I went way it, too long. I way fin- too long. I fell, Let's jump I into found it. it. A little offensive. Yeah. Myself. Go ahead. Just, just to be on your side, I did. I, I thought she was over the line, but uh, yeah. Move, move it. Move into that word of the day, sir. Over the line, market, market zero, zero, dude. All right. Word of the day is snake bit. Snake bit is having bad luck or subject to a series of misfortunes. And I get, I wonder if anybody can guess where we're going to go with that one later on in the podcast. All right, we got a couple of winners. We do our winners, losers every week, then our meaningless topic. Our winners, we had Florida, uh, big win, and Bama is a second winner. Tom, I'll let you start off with Florida oh, if you Gators. want to. You know, this could have been a huge letdown game for Florida after uh, losing what was a winnable game against LSU the week prior. They had to bury that game and then go on the road against a Carolina team who, as you know, just knocked off Georgia. So I, I felt like this was a gutsy win for Florida and one that's probably going to pay them some dividends down the line. They currently have Vandy and Free Shoes still on their schedule, which should be two easy wins, as easy as Tiffin's college girlfriend. Uh, that would get them to eight on the season then they have georgia at the neutral site and then they're on the road at missouri so they're really just two games away from the sec championship game and they get a week off this week in preparation for the cocktail party which we'll get into that game next week but if you're florida this has to be all you could ask for so far this year they're still in control of their own destiny and trask who they didn't even think was going to be their quarterback seems to be coming into his own I was too lazy to go back and check on the stats, but I figure it's been a while since a quarterback for Florida has had back-to-back three touchdown efforts in a game. He actually had four this past week and then three against LSU the week prior. That's two good, solid weeks. So with this bye week, I I think they're getting a lot of their uh, defensive players back on the field that have been out, and so they'll be healthy or close to it. I like where they're at right now. Yeah, I agree. You know, speaking of Trask, he he is doing a heck of a lot better than the backup we threw in there uh, Saturday night. And, you know, you might say, well, he he was, you know, Mac Jones was thrusting that role. Well, Trask was thrusting his role uh, mid-game and, and, you know, did well uh, against Kentucky and then started against Auburn and went how that turned out. But I, you you pretty much cover what I had. I, I, I liked the Gators all week. I was a little scared because they were coming off a physical Auburn game and a physical LSU game. And, man, that line dropped like crazy. That thing got down to three and a half uh, before kick. And, uh, of course, I took Florida and then got cold feet at halftime and hedged at um, South Carolina at plus three. So the bookie was happy on that. I paid him $10 juice. Uh, you know, Thanks for coming out. But, you know, I think Trask <laughs> is definitely the leader of the team. And uh, and Mullins got it going on with his quarterbacks. You know, he throws uh, Jones in there, the who I guess is the third teamer, and he's more of a dual threat. He gets a few snaps. Uh, they they are are looking pretty good and in in prime position to upset Georgia. You know, I, I would say before the season, the Georgia Florida line, terrible band by the way, the or is it Florida Georgia? Yeah, the Florida Georgia line. I would I would say that Georgia 
would be favored by oh gosh, twelve to fourteen. I, I bet the I bet the line's going to be least. four and a half or under now. You know, could be, could be. You're right. So, uh, all right, our second winner of the week is Bama, and uh, you know, ho hum, has went over one of our, our two biggest rivals, and what thirty five to thirteen game never really in doubt. They uh, Tennessee could have scored. And uh, and cut it to twenty eight to twenty when they fumbled and we we got the uh, the hundred and plus yard return from uh, Diggs and you know the Tennessee fans are like oh 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 well as oh, a fourteen point turnaround and it was but let me tell you Tennessee fans about another fourteen point turnaround is when Tua threw a freaking pick in the end zone we're about to go up fourteen nothing instead it's seven nothing y'all uh, you know Tennessee returns it past midfield and gets a touchdown to tie it up seven seven so. You know, tit for tat there. And I'm not going to be a fan that is not happy with a 22-point win, but man, oh man. Um, it was the win, it was late. I think that factored in some of the the jubilation. Everybody was tired, but dude, two of one out. And this is not like, like I was telling Tom, you know, at the game, I'm like, you know, 25 years ago, and Tua goes out. Okay, he goes in the tent. He goes underneath the stadium. You don't see him again. No big deal. Well, I mean, you got people at home watching television texting us every move. I mean, I look at my phone. I'm like, I look at Tom. I'm like, Tua just left an ambulance. That's just freaking wonderful. You know, I know every time I twisted my ankle, uh, I left an ambulance. You know, kind of like Trip did that time at the rec center. <laughs> but it was it was a win equivalent to Florida 2005 when we lost Pro Throw. We smacked Urban Meyer, smacked Florida, who was you know definitely Shula. It was Shula's signature win at Alabama, and it was such a great win, 31 to three. But man, walking out of the stadium, we're like, crap. We you know our Heisman candidate is out and for the year and turned out to be forever. But like I said, Bama was a winner. Yep. No doubt. They did some really good things in this game. Very nice sound there, sir. Uh, you know, Bama had a solid defensive effort in this one. They held Tennessee to 231 total yards. I'm not disillusioned by Tennessee's offense because I know they uh, they trail only Vandy in the SEC in total offense. But holding a team to less than 250 yards, that's still a commendable achievement, and I'm not sleeping on it. Secondly, Najee and Robinson both average five yards per carry. Now, in the SEC so far this year, Tennessee has only allowed one rusher with 10 carries or more to hit that 5.0 yards per carry mark, and that was Georgia's second string running back, believe it or not. Swift didn't do it, Florida's P. Ryan didn't get there, and Kylan Hill managed a whopping 13 yards on 11 carries for Hale State. Wow. So I feel good about the rushing attack, I know. I feel good about it. You know, we hadn't implemented it much this year, but of course, by necessity, we broke it out Saturday, and we're going to need it again this weekend. Speaking of... Bama also finds themselves on the losers list this week for obvious reasons. Hey, let you me know. take a 20-second timeout. I got one more positive about Bama on the win. We have a punter. Oh, that's right. P- that was uh, that was nice. Yeah, what was it? What was his name again? I, I was trying to say P. Ryan. I think it P-Rine. is. I think it's Ty P. Or, Ryan. I don't know. Where are all these P-Rons coming from? They're do- pretty doggone yeah. good football players. Well, heck, but let I, it run I, it one time. 
dude, he they say they say his hang time's five five and his forty is four four. I don't know if that's yeah. a joke or not, but hopefully we'll find out. <laughs> anyway, carry on with the losers because Bama, Bama. Uh, on my notes, I have Bama slash Tua in the losers section. Yep. Time seemed to stand still on Saturday as I grazed across gazed across the battlefield. Nah, my horses would have grazed. I just looked over it. It seemed like everything happened in slow motion. It looked like he was locked in on it for a brief moment, and then the unimaginable happened. Our server at World of Beer told us they were out of Cahaba Blonde. Unbelievable. <laughs> Shout out to our new BFFs, by the way, A.A. Ron and his lovely wife from Austin. And the fella you were talking to from, was it Milwaukee? Is that, is that where he was Big from? Big E from, nope. Big E from Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I got off topic there. But Bama's on the loser list because Tua went down with a high ankle sprain. You want to know how valuable he is to this team, and you actually just touched on it a second ago, but I'm going I'm to drive it home, baby. Tua walks off the field with barely a limp. It was practically unnoticeable. And the next thing you know, they're whisking him off in an ambulance. I don't think I've ever seen another player get taken off in an ambulance for a sprained ankle. I'd have run up one hell of a Blue Cross bill in my youth. Hashtag weak ankles. But Bama's going to have to learn how to adjust for at least one week. It appears he should be back for the LSU game, so this off week couldn't come at a better time. Mack and possibly Talia are going to get some valuable, valuable playtime this weekend. And my guess is the run package will be more prominent for at least part of the time. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Saban kind of turns them loose with the offense. You may need them to do just that down the road, so they might need some preparedness in that in that uh, realm. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And, you know, I had a, a Neutron call me yesterday just to chit-chat and – and I, you know, I'm I was pessimistic. I'm like, I don't think, uh, I don't think two is going to be back for LSU. And do I believe that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But let me. I'm going to uh, throw out a sobering fact. If you remember, Jalen had his exact injury at the exact same moment last year. We were playing Tennessee. He comes in in relief, and he runs. A, I think he runs a touchdown and gets tackled in the end zone or right around the end zone. And he twists his ankle. I'm not even sure he comes out. Uh, I'd, I'd almost forgot about this because he was our backup. And then we had, I guess we played, uh, I don't know who we played next. And we had off week and then we had LSU. But it was the same time frame. And if you remember, you know, at LSU, we're like, man, we, we really need him because Tua, Tua had knee problems last year. And it, do you remember, I'm asking, this is not rhetorical. I'm asking you for real. Do you remember um, they showed Jalen at the in, on the field at LSU, and he was jogging. And dude, it looked like an eighty-year-old man jogging, <laughs> and he had just had the surgery that uh, that Tua had. Right. And you know, it, it's very concerning because there's no way Jalen could have played last year at LSU unless he was a hundred percent faking the injury, and I don't think he was. So I'm not hopeful that he plays. And uh, but you know I'm not surrendering the game either, as we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. So um, that kind of wraps up. I mean, you know, the Bama Tua section because you know everybody can probably could have probably guessed what we're going to say. It it was just a it was a hollow victory. It it was I mean, it's a good victory because we beat Tennessee 13 in a row. But man, it just uh, 
uh, a dark cloud had settled over the stadium. But now let's move on to our second loser. Uh, you know, our next two losers, Tom, I'm going to let you take the lead on both of them because they're your babies. They're your right. boys. Wisconsin. I tell you one, yeah. <laughs> Before I get into that, I, I, I forgot about this. We should have added one more loser to this list, which would have been our wallets after we had to pay $225 Uber <laughs> Saturday night. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But it's one, when it's 1 a.m., you got no other options. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was it. But, uh, <laughs> Wisconsin kicks off the first of my shocking losers this weekend. I reckon I cursed both Wisconsin and, and Missouri. Just last week, I had propelled the Badgers into my top four, and they laid this egg. I still can't really fathom it. They were 31-point favorites, for Pete's sake. Now, when you play defense and you run the ball in this day and age, you should be golden. That's not a recipe that a lot of teams implement anymore, and it's been successful for those who, who can implement it, and, and Wisconsin was doing a heck of a job with it. But alas, you know, there's also a recipe for failure, and that is turnovers, which uh, Wisconsin had three of Saturday, including a crucial interception at midfield that set up the game-winning drive with just over two minutes to play, I believe. So I can't determine if this game or the South Carolina over Georgia is the most surprising to me this year. But a close third has to be the Missouri loss on Saturday as well. Good Lord, this one broke my heart. <laughs> they were a 21-point favorite over lowly Vandy, <laughs> a team that just got smashed by a casino employee pickup team the week before. Missouri was fulfilling all my preseason <laughs> expectations and were undefeated in the SEC until this debacle. I got no faith in them now. I don't know if... I don't know if they can ever earn my trust again, really. Reminds me of when Hogan went to the NWO. Oh, that's a great moment <laughs> in sports history. <laughs> well, I guess this is my cue to uh, talk about Wisconsin since you totally blew me off on, uh, on that one. And I don't have a lot to add, but honestly, that, that's a very good analogy on what was the bigger upset, South Carolina over Georgia or um, or. Uh, Illinois over Wisconsin. I, I'm going to have to go with Illinois over Wisconsin because South Carolina, you know, they they played they have played decent football at times, and I mean they almost beat the team that almost <laughs> beat Clemson. So, you know, tip of the cap to that. But I, I would say it would have been about equivalent to Arkansas beating Auburn this weekend, the Wisconsin game, and uh, and Missouri. I mean, it's just it's inexplicable them losing. I mean, UNLV is a joke of a football team. They yes. got smashed, Hammered. if I'm not mistaken, this past weekend after beating Vandy handily. And, and you know, Vandy lost another non-conference. They have been non-competitive in a, in a few outings. And, you know, Missouri, a lot of the conferences, we've been kind of poking fun or maybe just draw, bringing it to your attention. You know, the ACC outside of Clemson and – the Pac-12 outside of, I guess, Oregon now, they have just been Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, you know, one team beats a team by 10, and then they turn around and lose to a team that yep. that team beat by 20. And uh, and that's what Missouri – that's that's the what Missouri is doing. You know, they're on the road. They lost to Wyoming on the road. Now they've lost to Vandy. And they've got Kentucky on the road this week, and they're the dreaded 10-point favorite. So, yeah, uh, no doubt. you know, watch out. Caveat, MTOR, let For the sure. buyer beware sure. on betting them. 
All right, so that wraps up winners and losers. Uh, meaningless topic of the day. We're getting kind. Of, we've got some really cool meaningless topics topics of the day, but a lot of them are not uh, necessarily sports related. So in the heart of the season, and we really haven't discussed what we're going to do postseason. We'll probably won't do weekly, but we'll do once a month, once every two weeks for sure. And that's when we'll talk about more of just a you know random stories. So we're trying to stay sports themed and uh, i think we have a really good one next week but this week we're going with this one what type of considering we have the transfer portal now what kind of what type of quarterback stays for four years you know because the bottom line is our backup's playing for oklahoma right now and he's contending for the heisman georgia's backup right now is playing for ohio state and he is probably a really really dark horse for heisman he does not have the 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 pomp and circumstance that Burrow and Tua and Jalen are getting for the Heisman, um, who uh, oh Georgia's other backup quarterback is Washington. playing for um, Washington, and then uh, Clemson's backup quarterback is playing for Missouri, and another backup quarterback Hunter Johnson does he at a Northwestern I believe Twitter account. So you know the portal. <laughs> I think that is one too. The uh, the the transfer portal is opened up. It, I mean, I'm sure the players love it. It's kind of opened up free agency, which we knew that was coming, and it's not all bad. But man, oh man, the days of you having a proven backup. So that's kind of what I'm it's kind of what I'm getting at is what type of quarterback stays. And here's you know because the Florida think of the Florida State teams when Bowden was done there and you finished top four for 14 straight years. And they were consistently, you know, Charlie Ward would graduate or finish his eligibility, and then some kid would come in who was a third-year sophomore or fourth-year junior or or third-year junior, didn't take a red shirt. And, I mean, he's been in the program a lot, and he's good. And he, you know, steps right in. They had just quarterbacks lined up back then. Yeah. There's no way that's going to happen nowadays. And, you know, we have Mac Jones – you know, Florida's gotten very lucky with Trask. South Carolina, see, Helensky, I think, is young, so he hadn't had time to test the the portal waters. And, uh, you know, Mac Jones, uh, he is, I mean, right now, Trask or Mac Jones uh, starting against LSU for Alabama, who would question. you rather have? I'm not sure how to answer that. I, well, let, well, let me ask you, do you mean, like, right now, uh, with Trask at the beginning of the year, Mac at the beginning of the year, or Trask is experienced to date? Based on what you've seen from Trask, based on what you've seen from Mac Jones, who uh, would you choose Trask to start because, for against? Trask, because I hadn't seen – I don't want to pick against my boy, for, but I was trying you. to find a way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Quit being ornery. Uh, anyway, my, here's my point. I'll close out my section of this is with the transfer portal and with the emergence, like you said, not many teams play – the 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 Gene Stallings brand of football where it's three yards and a cloud of dust and and uh and, and you play defense. Everybody's relying on their quarterback. So now with your backup quarterback transferring out at the end of every year because he wants to go play somewhere, don't blame him for that. But the it's turn we're turning into the NFL where if Tom Brady goes out, is um are the Patriots going to win the the uh, I want to say they're World Series? I'm watching right now. Series, Are the Patriots going to win the Super Bowl? The Super Bowl either. They're not going. Definitely not. You know, I, I don't. Drew Brees. 
Are the Saints going to be competitive? No. And that's what college football is going to turn into with the transfer portal because your good quarterbacks are going to transfer out and play, and then you're going to be stuck with a guy who is just a serviceable, would be a great quarterback yeah. under Gene Stallings, but those days are over. Umbridge with your Drew Brees comment. He's been playing well the last couple of weeks. You don't watch NFL, but Brees hadn't played in three weeks. He's been hurt. so <laughs> I don't watch but, NFL. Uh, <laughs> Dang it, I know. I think I've started him every week on my fantasy team. Anyway, continue. You know, for the record, I believe the transfer portal has become an absolute debacle. I predict there will be major changes in the next few years. It's had a lot of unintended consequences, which is why we're discussing this topic in the first place. But, like everything else in the NCAA, they'll likely leave it in place for at least three or four years before they overhaul it. So the question is, at hand, what type of quarterback stays for four years? Well, there are going to be very few now that it's even easier to transfer out. This is likely a bigger problem for the more elite teams in the country. It's the type of teams that will be able to attract the best quarterbacks to the university. It's these top-tier quarterbacks who will have the itchy finger if they don't play right away. If they come in with all the hype and circumstance, they will expect to play regardless. And honestly, I don't remember a backup for us that has stayed the entire four years. You know, Jalen was standing, but a true – he wasn't a backup the whole time. But, you know, there have been some. I just – I'm sure I just don't remember them, but most of them, once they realize they're not going to play, they pack up and leave. And that was even before the portal. You know, we lost several quarterbacks after their, you know, they would usually stay two or three years and then leave when they finally realized they weren't getting the job. But the real question at hand is whether or not you change your recruiting techniques. I'm assuming, yes, you do. Basically, I think you've got to take advantage of every possible angle out there. There's definitely something to be said for having two or three-year start at quarterback, but I'm not sure you can ignore potential candidates who can help your team. So if the rules are as they are, you might as well take advantage of them. One thing it might do, though, is deprioritize other position groups. Let's say you always have one eye out for a quarterback in the portal. Well, because of the importance of that position, you've still got to recruit a guy out of high school that would likely be here three or four years. So how do you make room for the transfer if you're also looking at the high school quarterback? You have to have one uh, – you have to recruit either one less high school quarterback, which could be damaging if the if the transfer doesn't show up, or you let another position slide. You know, that's an interesting question. If the quarterback's the most important single position to get correct, what would be the least important? Who would you recruit? One less of, so you would always have that flexibility to pick up I the mean, transfer. at Alabama, the, what do you, what do you we think? could do without a kicker. Uh, we could just go for two every time and be about the same amount of points. But, I mean, it's, it's a great it's a great <laughs> point, you know. Uh, and, you know, I did write down, I didn't discuss this, but, like, you know, Gatewood has not gone anywhere as of yet, and I don't know that he will or he won't. But, you know, Bo Picks is a legacy at Auburn. He's not going anywhere. So, I, I mean, if he, if he gets benched, He'll just be a true Auburn man and accept his role and give some heartfelt speech in the uh, in the dressing room, and all will be well. But Auburn is different than everybody, uh, as we as their fans tell us all the time. So I, I don't know, and it's it's I, I think it is almost to the point where you recruit the stud one year, and he comes in and he play, if he starts, then yeah, you want to recruit another stud. You don't want to let a Bryce Young 
who's Bama's, uh, you know, five-star commit from California. But, you know, you don't want to let Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Jake Fromm, you don't want to let those guys slip through your fingers. But, my goodness, if you, if you got – like let Bryce Young next year comes in. Let's say he starts as a freshman – Who's gonna Who's gonna Who's gonna say, man? I cannot wait to sign with Alabama and go sit two years behind Bryce. So it's almost like in even numbered years you sign your stud, and then in odd numbered years you sign a Mac Jones. Uh, ain't that our quarterback's last name? <laughs> His name escaped me. <laughs> but you know, you sign a guy who is not as heralded, who will come in and learn and grow. And hey, if he has to get thrown into the fire, maybe he works out. Maybe he doesn't. But you know, here's the thing. Let's just go back. It, let's say the portal didn't exist. Jalen decided to stay. Your fret level for it, my fret level for LSU right now with the uncertainty is probably a seven or eight. If Jalen Hurts was sitting in the bullpen 100% healthy, my fret level for LSU would be about a two or three. And there's your difference. Right. Well, one thing you got to remember, too, is your philosophy of picking a stud this year and a, a, a lesser stud the next year. We went through many years of recruiting and securing five-star quarterbacks who didn't touch the field, didn't pan out, mm-hmm. played less than. I people Don't let people forget that Jalen and Tua – were likely the two best quarterbacks that Saban's ever recruited and brought to this university by a wide, 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 wide margin. But those have just happened in the last three yeah. or four years. You know, the first nine years of Saban's career, I mean, we we had some solid quarterbacks. I don't want to take something away from McCarran's and the – Well, I mean, I we had Star Jackson. Coaches, we had Nick Fanuzzi. Wayne or – <laughs> yeah, all you know, those gone. Star, star <laughs> left. But you, you know what I'm getting at. It's Fanuzi left, yeah. and then um, uh, Blake Barnett left. You know, and Blake Barnett was the guy. He was like second behind Josh Rosen that oh, yeah. year. You know, Rosen went and tore it up at UCLA. Blake uh, redshirted, and then as redshirt freshman, he was deer in the headlights against USC. Jalen came in and saved the day, and the rest is history. But now, you that's a good. I mean, it's a great topic of conversation because even though i say hey just go out and sign a stud the stud doesn't always pan out that's right all right we are over time as usual so games of the week i have a couple of games a week and i've got a couple of surprises so the first game of the week i have is ohio state wisconsin and you know this should be the big the big tens version of bama lsu game day was surely going to go to columbus this weekend instead of south sandy or south dakota state university um still offense versus defense but man did the shine wear off this and quickly uh osu favored by 14 i think they cover going away i i just you wonder what wisconsin's mental state is maybe wisconsin was totally looking towards this weekend in the loss to Illinois, but it, it, it's not a good look for the Big Twelve or the yeah, the Big uh, the Big Ten. And man, oh man, what happens if Wisconsin upsets Ohio State now? Yeah, I know. I mean, up until the unthinkable happened last week, I was pretty sure I was going to take Wisconsin in the outright upset this weekend. Now I feel like I've been purposely misled by the Badgers. It's like walking in on your parents doing the deed. I just can't <laughs> unsee this. 
I still like Wisconsin's defense, though, but this seems eerily similar to the kind of game I was calling for in the LSU-Florida matchup a few weeks ago. I thought defense would win out there and it would be a low-scoring affair. Wisconsin still should hold, but I was very wrong about that, by the way, very, very wrong. But uh, Wisconsin still should hold Ohio State below their averages, but uh, I have no confidence anymore it would be low enough for them to win. I'm going to say Ohio State by 7 to 10, somewhere in there. Maybe just under the number. Wouldn't surprise me if they blow them out. But I, I, I feel like it'll be somewhat respectable. All right, so you're taking Wisconsin as far as the coverage, and I'm taking Ohio State. Uh, second game of the week is LSU-Auburn. Uh, I'm going to let you start here because I got a bombshell to drop at the end. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to rush through mine then. This is a potential Auburn elimination game. Technically, every game since their loss to Florida has been an eliminator, but this is the first true obstacle they faced. If they collect their second loss, and it would be an SEC West loss as well, their championship dreams will be gone. They are coming into this game, though likely with their best offensive game of the year against Arkansas, but the Hogs' defense isn't exactly known for, well, their defense. <laughs> it should be, though, right? Yeah. Anywho... <laughs> The Barnes' biggest challenge this weekend will be LSU's offense. With Tua hurt, Burrow is now the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. LSU clocks in at third in the country in total offense, while Auburn holds a holds tightly to the number 50 spot. A couple of weeks ago, I called for Florida's defense to slow down LSU, and they did not. Dumb pick again. I'm going to reiterate that. But this week I'm calling for Auburn's defense to slow them down. Auburn's D has had more success against passing teams than Florida did. Florida just hadn't faced any good quarterbacks until that game, and they were exposed on that side of the wall. But I look for Auburn's defensive line to put more pressure on Burrow and for their DBs to make more plays than Florida could. Burrow will be hearing all week about how he's the front runner for the Heisman. I think Auburn shocks LSU without right win in Baton Rouge. I'm currently pausing for dramatic effect. Damn it, Tom! But it wouldn't. I know, but it wouldn't surprise me if LSU pulls it out either. Should be tight. Go ahead, bombshell me, dude. Well, thanks, thanks for ruining. You ruined it. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I too have Auburn winning the game, and here's why. <laughs> I, it's a very interesting game here. <clears throat> For years, Daryl and I have, uh, have you know, guessed the lines of the big games, and, man, a lot of times we're right dead on it. I mean, we're within a half point if we don't hit it. So uh, I, I thought um, – I, I said the line would be six and a half. You know, Tom, you said seven. Daryl was thinking 14, so it opened up at 12 and a half. So we were, you know, Daryl was closer. But I looked uh, yesterday or maybe this morning, and the line's already dropped to 10 and a half. And if you've ever teased a game, you know that 10 and a half point line is the kiss of death. Because you're thinking, ah, oh, the home team, all they got to do is win. I'm taking them down. Where if 20 and a half probably covers the entire game, and you don't even sweat it. So, but using the logic, I using the, my logic, I should be betting Auburn because last week I felt that uh, Mississippi State LSU, I thought that line should have been twenty four and a half. So once it was eighteen nineteen, yeah, I took LSU, and then Bama Tennessee, I said 24-26, and that thing was thirty five, and you know Tennessee covered. So uh, by far, this is the best defense LSU is going to face. They're going to be able to get pressure with the front four. 
And I think Florida had to, you know, their defensive end was one, one end was already hurt. The other defensive end went out first half with an injury. He's, you know, he'll be back for, he'll be back. He's not out for the year is what I'm saying. So, Auburn is going to – so Florida had to bring linebacker heat, and they kept hitting those dig routes right over the middle. And Auburn's going to be able to get heat with the front four. And I just think they're going to – if Auburn can dial up their um, their script, which Gus is famous for, uh, they can pull the upset. But it's, you know, Bo Picks threw three picks down at, uh, at Florida, and this is his uh, second hostile environment. So – LSU should win, and but in my notes I said you heard it here first. Uh, I'm calling for the upset. Well, <laughs> now, you've heard it. You heard it here second. I'm calling for the upset. <laughs> Auburn breaks a streak at Baton Rouge, and they pull off their first win in the new millennium. They've not won since the 20th century down there. So, wow, that's a long <clears throat> way to ooh, millennium. <laughs> wow. All right. Quickly, we actually have a good slate of games. So quickly, just uh, winter league. I got two more games, and we're just going to go through these in less than thirty seconds. Notre Dame at Michigan. Michigan favored by one. Who you got? I take Michigan. I'm taking Notre Dame <laughs> to cover outright win. Penn State minus six and a half at Michigan State. Who you got? I got Penn State. Michigan State is garbage. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, I'm taking. I'm taking Penn State. I, th- I think they're on a roll. I'm going to take them to cover the six and a half. Went out right at Michigan State. All right. <clears throat> Bets from week eight. Uh, one of us went two and oh. And one of us went one and one. And the guy who went one and one is not even on the podcast because it was a guest <laughs> <clears throat> I had LSU and Ohio State. Ohio State trumped uh, Northwestern on a Friday night. Get the coveted Friday night game. Uh, as we know, LSU covered the 19 rather easily against Mississippi State. Tom, you had went one and one. Who was your win and loss with? Uh, my guest picker had a Oklahoma State, which lost, which I really liked. Um, can't believe they lost. And then, but he also had Florida, who did get the W. Um, I tell you what, though, I'm glad I let him do the guest picking, even though it went. One and one's been my staple all year. That's just been where I've been at. But uh, I had a seven uh, game pick them sheet that I'm in weekly, and I went a solid one in six. So <laughs> against the spread. So uh, it was a good move on my part. <laughs> Man, that was a uh, that sounds like back in your TDS sports days there. <laughs> we'll have to put that on the podcast. That, that better make the podcast. <laughs> All right, lines of interest. You g- give me two games for this week. I'm keeping it down home this week after my guest picker recorded my standard one and one mark. I've yet to hit the elusive two and zero, oh, which you've nailed at least twice this year, right? Two or three. I know this is at least twice. Yeah, I've got yeah. them all written down somewhere. So I'm going to go with Arkansas over Bama and their backup quarterback. That's a lot of points. I didn't think it would be that high. And I'm also going to roll with Kentucky against my reeling Missouri squad. Again, I lost all confidence in them. So taking two underdogs in the SEC. All right. I had had Arkansas as my number four pick, so you've taken them. All right, my two games, I got Clemson minus 33.5. I do feel like that, uh, you know, they're covering. They're not looking good doing it, but they're covering. 
And I think Clemson knows. I, mean, I was watching the, the college football show. They're doing a football show every Tuesday night now leading up to the, uh, to the actual um, selection shows. And Clemson dropped another spot. You know, they, they dropped a four in the AP. And then, you know, Kirk Herbstreet and them are talking about, not bad about them, but, I mean, they're questioning them. And Dabo's going to use that. So I've got Clemson minus 33.5 over uh, Boston College. I've got Tennessee plus four uh, against South Carolina at Neyland, and I've got them outright winning. So if you want to make money, kids, bet the money line. (laughs) Instagram model of the week is Holly Barker. Her Instagram is at Holly Barker Official. H-O-L-L-Y-B-A-R-K-E-R Official. And uh, she's a blonde bombshell. I'm sure she doesn't match up to Dale, but Tom, go ahead and humor us. Well, I wish I could, Tiffin. You only sent me her name. You didn't send me the picture of it. And you know I don't have an Instagram account, so I've been over here in the dark, which is where I like to be with Deb, so it all works out. <laughs> oh, I thought I sent one. I don't know. I, no. I send a lot is she of things. any kin to I send Jay? a lot of things to, uh, not to my knowledge. I send a lot of things to a lot of people, so you never know. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 13. Uh, remember, if you're traveling from Auburn to Baton Rouge this weekend because of games at Baton Rouge, you go west till you smell the gumbo, then east till you taste the bourbon. Go Tigers! Woo-hoo! Take it easy, guys! Oh,